Welcome to Coffee with Candeva, a series of thought-provoking conversations about complex drug delivery. Today, we will be talking with Keith Ong about the acquisition of iPharma by Candeva. I'm your host, John Price. It's my privilege to host Keith Ong on today's episode of Coffee with Candeva. Keith was formerly CEO of iPharma Labs and currently is director and Union City head at Candeva. He has over 25 years of experience in the inhalation and drug delivery device market. He holds a PhD in pharmaceutics from the University of Sydney. He has contributed to a long list of technical publications and is an expert in formulation related to inhaled drugs. Keith, talk to me a little bit about uh, the very formation, the the beginnings of of iPharma, when you guys started and, and how you started and what brought that about. Yeah, so you know, I used to be on the other side of the uh, uh, shoes. Um, we I've been working for Nectar Therapeutics and then transitioned to Navars. Uh, you know, really, my focus is in, in in those companies. You know, trying to get the product out from a proof of concept and then to uh, a launch. Really, the challenge is that you know, there's a lot of innovation, a lot of activities happening at our site and areas that we're working in, and we need to kind of figure out a way how to move some of these projects. And and in the and I'm not a business development person. I'm not a business person. I'm a technical person. And my um, approach is that if there are problems, there's got to be solutions, right? And we have to you know find ways to resolve these and be able to get to the answer as quickly without spending so much money and time to it. So what I see, there's is this gap that's not there. And the concept of uh, trying to form a company to to help out small and big company, pharma companies, to kind of fill that gap uh, it's missing. And that really kind of started out probably about 15 years ago. But the time to uh, to, to launch uh, you know, this concept wasn't, uh, wasn't there, wasn't available. I ran into John Patton, which is one of the founder of Inhale Therapeutics. And we actually were in these posts and attending a, a conference there. And he has a company. He's trying to get his uh, inhale uh, liquid insulins uh, globally, you know, uh, launched. And he's having a hard time to find company that can really support their product concept and moving beyond commercializations. And, and because he's a Virgil, it's a Virgil company, he really have a hard time to find the small niche company to do that kind of work. And he asked me to see if there's an opportunity for me to start a company that can support that. He knows what what we can help out, you know, as, uh, you know if we do create a company together, we do we can definitely help out not just his company, but other companies. And really, that's really what I call the birth of iPharma. And that's what we've been doing is basically is to help out, you know, company that are that trying to create products, uh, you know, in, in, the, uh, in the pulmonary space is that uh, there are a lot of companies who don't know anything about inhalation, developing inhalation products. And that's exactly what we were creating this company is to help them, guide them, and then help them define what it should be done in the right way, in the quickest way, with the, the most efficient and cost-effective. That's great. You, you touched on this a little bit, but you know, what would your typical customer look like at iPharma? I is it coming to you just with the API and doesn't really, you know, knows that they want to treat, you know, maybe a respiratory disease or some other disease, and 
they're not sure they want to deliver it, you know, how, how it's going to be delivered, or they, they think, you know, it's probably going to be some sort of an inhaled medication. We just don't know if DPI is right or nebulizer or whatever it is. Where are they at when kind of your typical customer comes into you, or is it a little more varied than that? We, we have two groups of clients. One, they basically have a you know, strong product pipelines in the respiratory space. Well-known, you know, the top five companies, right? And they're in the same situation as Navarre's when I was working there is that they're, they have resource constraints because the COVID and things related to that, they have, uh, um, and so they're looking at the best way to accelerate their program forward by utilizing resources outside. And we're here to support that. That's the reason why our business actually did quite well since the uh, COVID, you know, is hitting. And two, uh, there's a, these are kind of what I call the the infant uh, companies who either is a single product company or or they have a product that is in the um, uh, different administration, uh, either injectable or uh, infusion, right? And they found that maybe the uh, uh, their drug is actually is gives a more it's uh, for COVID or it could be lung inflammation treatment for asthma, or severe asthma. They found that to be you know, a good indication for that. And they want to tap into that space. And that's what these are the group that basically they don't know anything about respiratory disease and uh, pulmonary development of pulmonary product, how expensive it can be and so forth. And we tend to, you know, um, spend the, the time to invest in, to educate them, right? And and one of the things that, you know, they come up with an API and, or a direct solution or in a, in a liquid format, and they it may not necessarily, uh, stuff that compounds that are in the formulation may not necessarily translatable into the pulmonary product because those things are, you know, you don't know the safety. What happened to the land of the lungs? What are you going to do with it, right? So it's, it's becoming a huge risk optical for them to submit a proposal to do a clinical trial. So we tend to say you need to reformulate your drug to make sure you use excipients that has been approved for respiratory drugs. And that's basically that's the first thing that we let them know rather than just take and test it without, you know. And the second part is that, you know, you want to do a proof of concept, just take off off-the-shelf device and then uh, reformulate this formulation in the simplest ways and so you can actually get it to the uh, clinical site and do a clinical study because you look at the um, efficacy, right? Are you hitting the therapeutic target or not? And then, you, you know, if it does hit that mark, then you have a very strong case to proceed to the next step. So we want to make sure that they take the shortest path, the most efficient path, um, and, and the only thing to do that, you really have to kind of educate them on that. And then again, you have to come around to the point that they don't understand in term what's requires to, uh, what are the requirements to put into a submission to the FDA to allow them to do a clinical trial. So that's what we do is spend the time to educate it. And I think what, what, what the value came out is that they, they walk away and said, yeah, these guys are really here to help. They're not here just to, <laughs> not to make, you know, you know, may, make money as much as possible. And that's that's what we're trying to differentiate what we do versus what our competitor does, right? And over the year, for the past five years, we have cases that we tried our approach, we end up, they went with bigger, well-defined competitor, like, you know, um, and they went to them. And of course, two years later, it kind of came back and because they ran to some of those issues. And, and so it's, you know, we basically, essentially we don't have business development person. <laughs> so I play the business development person. So we're more, I, I, I stated myself as that we're more of a 
passive. My approach is that, you know, we, we basically sell, we basically educate, we listen to what they're looking for, we basically try to educate them as well. And then that's it. And then we just basically just uh, wait for them to respond to it. We don't necessarily, I don't have the resources just to, to follow up on that. So, so the really, that's, uh, that kind of give you uh, the, uh, the sense of what typical customers are coming after. It's every size, every, you know, all startup virtual companies. So they, they, you know, that's what we're purpose of us is just to, to be, and we strategically look in the Bay area is because the Bay area has a lot of uh, incubators, startup companies, right? A lot of direct development company and feedback we got is that you guys just right there. We just come and visit you can actually set the drug with the hand to ship it, get there and overnight. And some of the compound are very uh, sensitive to, uh, uh, to cold change. And, you know, you require a very, you know, minus 60 degrees, uh, you know, and here the risk is very, they can actually just, most time they can just drive and drop it off, right? Without yeah. <laughs> stick it so, in the thermos and yeah. no way they go. Right, right. Great, and you you you, you kind of got the full spectrum there from you know the the smallest little startups to, to some of the big ones, and you're really it sounds like very early in on that that formulation stage of of you know doing some of the testing and the analytical work. Can you give me a sense of what like a typical project at iPharma for like a biologic or macromolecule might look like? Yeah, so you know the 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 space in in monoclonal antibodies is also targeting various different diseases. Everybody, get an example RNA, right? Um, uh, that's another uh, space. There's RNAi, there's mRNA, and so forth, and it, it's becoming a more like a really really a platform rather than a uh, a single molecule to target certain uh, diseases. A platform that we have worked with company who who has developed mRNA RNAi. And they have four different treatments with the same uh, strands of, you know, this RNA. And uh, so it's really, it's clearly it's a platform base. And the therapy, the therapeutic, uh, the, the dosing, everything is going to be different. It, it can range from few milligram to, you know, 30 to 100 milligram in the lungs, right? And it really comes down to, you know, what are available, what devices can deliver, and then, you know, uh, how effective it is. And we're we're here, you know. That's that's what we do is that we're we're partner with them to kind of provide a combination that that give them the most successful outcome rather than just here to tell us what to do and then we'll do it. So that's not our philosophy. Our philosophy is that we would try to guide you, get you the you know the best combo devices and, uh, and give you the best output that will give you the um, the most uh, therapeutic dose in a single sitting versus um, uh, another devices that. It's uh, more efficient, right? So we basically trying to target that. And our and 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 the other one is that we're trying to educate is that you don't need to pick the best device right now. You just basically want to demonstrate does it work or not. Once you have that data that clinically proven that it works, then let's define the product that makes a lot of sense, or which a device that makes a lot of sense that will cover besides just the efficiency, but the cost of goods, and then user friendly and so forth, right? So so. Deciding that that kind of technology piece, you know, whether it's a DPI, PMDI, obviously there's a lot of variables that go into that. You know, is there is it pretty common like dosage form is often driving that or is it, you know, more of a cost of goods or does it really depend on on the molecule itself and, and storage conditions and shipping and handling? and? Yeah, so the dosage form, the delivery system will be based on the, the uh, dose that you can get to the you know get to the patient right you talk about microgram scale dose so that would fit into 
the MDI format, you, you know, fit into the uh, ISM uh, you know, devices, right? Uh, but we talk about dosage that are in milligram scale or, you know, a hundredth of milligram scale, then those two format will not fit. You know, uh, you have to go into the uh, nebulizer or a dry powder. And of course, the cost between those different formats can be significantly different. They're not talking, we're not talking about 20, 30% difference in cost and development. We're talking about maybe two to three X. So it's, 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 it, there's going to be some economic impact in terms of, you know, uh, development costs and so forth. So we tend to say, okay, first, first question, we have clients that come visit us. They have this compound that say, we'd like to go in the clinic. We'd like to use this you know, device right away. Say, okay, before we get to that, tell us about what's your disease group, what's your, uh, what's your therapeutic dose are intended to target, right? And then we can then help you guide you to select what format, because otherwise you can have to choose, pick a device Suddenly, you make you run into the challenge with the uh, concentration challenge, right? You you know, um, and also the uh, size of the container may not fit the entire dose and so forth. So you have to think about all these things before you actually come up with the selection. What's available, and then once you have that, you need to say what's available out there, right? So I think in our size that we need to try to catch up what are other people are developing, what devices are people other people are developing that we can all we can bring those in-house right at that time so i think these we have to continue to learn ourselves what other people are doing what are the availabilities out there and so though when we actually engage with the new clients that we got to prepare to have that conversation or discussion and why we think you know a and b is better than c sure yeah, so sure yeah. okay that, that that makes sense now that you that that ifarma is you know Part of Candeva, you know, what can you offer new customers that you may not have been able to to offer previously? Obviously, we're a, a larger company than than just iPharma, and there's probably some overlap. But I'm guessing you work in some areas that we didn't typically work in before. But what do you see that that Candeva kind of brings to to this ac- acquisition that that maybe you didn't have before that that you're looking forward to now? Well, it's a good question. Um, I think yeah, one of the uh, things that we can offer, and that's one of the, when I sent the email out to announce the uh, the acquisition, you know, um, with our existing clients, is essentially their concern is that what does that mean to their current project, their timeline, and so forth? Is that going to slow down? Is the cost going to go up, and so forth? You know, communication to them is really to assure them that nothing changed. The uh, the work will be still done at iPharma here. Um, now we have this Candeva uh, uh, um, resources availability. We can actually accelerate and help out beyond what we can do. What we can do is that basically we're able to get to to the client to a certain point, allow them to do a phase one study, feasibility phase one study, right? And we essentially lose anything we can because we can't support anything beyond phase one. So we can't manufacture. We can't do GMP, we can't do drug product release testing because we don't have the GMP capability. Can can deliver other site, uh, Minnesota site can fulfill those. And so it makes it makes the transition from what we support to phase two, phase three much easier because now we're within the same organizations. And what they're concerned is about from um from a risk management standpoint is that they ask us to develop a, a, a you know a product at our site help them define what that product definition is that including all the methodology development uh, and qualification and then transition that to our competitor that will support the clinical programs that's a, like six to 12 months potential time gap because of the uh, risk of uh, transferring the, the asset the method the knowledge everything right 
And so they see that as to be a bigger. So we have in the past has lost contracts because of that. They saw that as a as a, a, a huge risk that they were unwilling to take in that, in that pathway, and that's the reason why they didn't cut it. So now I think with that acquisition, you know, you can think as a as a one organization, we should be able to support all the way to launch. As I said before in the beginning, when we when I envisioned starting iPharma, it's really is more on the feasibility innovation front, right? It's a great area because it's an area that I. I enjoy working because it's very dynamic. There's nothing boring about it because every time every molecule comes in, there's always new challenges. How do we overcome that? And so it's very dynamic. So I built a group that that enjoy that kind of work, and not everybody enjoy that kind of work because things are moving so quickly from day to day because the the, um, the, the program changes so dynamically. And we have built these groups of great scientists. That kind of position handle that kind of changes, with, you know, and then be able to adapt to these changes, and that's what we built. the The business itself is that we can only get, get to a certain level, and and we're we can generate, we can, you know, it's really the, the business. What I see is only existed if we have X number of customer continue to to fill in that, and so if we lose one customer because we complete the feasibility, we have to find another company to, to fill to. To, to sustain the, uh, let's say the, the expenses, the cost, and everything, right? The payroll. Then, so we're 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 essentially solving a lot of problem. You know, we're getting two hundred thousand dollar contract, and then we're losing millions of dollars contract because we're unable to fulfill what beyond the downstream that we can offer. I think that's where this single organization with Pars Candela is that we'd be able to fulfill that. And now we can continue to have the continuity and build that relationship, be able to get that. And, and keep it in mind is that a lot of small companies, one product, is that their goal is they want to get to a certain the phases one. They can sell or license the company to a big pharma. And so you can't rely on them beyond that, right? But it's really the big, big player, the big pharma has a deep pipeline, deep capital. They have investment that are continuing to build the pulmonary pipeline, and that's what we want. And these are the companies that are, tend to shy away from us because we can only offer that portion. And so they're okay to to set us some feasibility work, but they're not okay to send us the development program because we don't have the infrastructure to you know, to uh, support them beyond what we can. Okay, that yeah, that makes sense. You know, you you've got a. It sounds like a very agile, flexible group. There and now, you know, with the Candeva piece, we more seamless, as you said. You know, fewer transitions needed from from one company to the next as as a drug makes its way through the the different phases. So that makes sense. So so yeah, that that thank you for that. You know, what do you see? Just looking ahead a little bit, what do you see in the respiratory space? You know, historically, medicine has largely been the domain of small molecules in, in respiratory, but that seems to be moving a little bit more into some larger molecules, biologics, peptides. I'm just curious of, of your thoughts on this. Yeah, I, mean, I think um, the biologics has been going up uh, up and down over the years. You know, when back in the uh, in the night and the early 2000 when insulin got approved, you know, the the biologic molecules are kind of take it off, and then of course when the sale didn't go that well, then the whole thing kind of collapsed. You know, um, so now things are starting to pick it up. I, I see that you know even before the pre-COVID is that the biologic uh, starting to you know kind of starting to ramp it up. Human lungs are are one effective ways to get the drugs in their system. So it's not just treating the lung, but using the lung as a portal to get the drug to to the brain, get the drug to the heart, 
so different regions of, and what have been shown is that uh, um, you can actually reduce the toxicity of the drug in the body, given through the pulmonary pathway, rather by oral or by, you know, and the only other ways to get a most efficient way is infusion. You can actually get directly to the blood. And that's what it's all about, absorptions, and, you know, into the blood and get into a different re- uh, target of the tissues that you're targeting for. But so, so I think that's where there's a lot of interest is one is there's high rep in you know, a high rapid uh, intake uh, response uh, you can for example migraine is that you can if you give oral dose it takes about 45 minutes if you miss that window we have talking to I've spoken to people who actually you know taking these oral dosage and then if they miss their window that 10 to 15 minutes they can suffer you know quite dramatically right just basically just want to uh, hide in the corner keep away from all the noises but uh, you know, given given the uh, the same classification of drug by pulmonary route, your you know the the uh, the effectiveness can be minutes. You can you know you can hit to the to the to the brain sensing you know right there minutes rather than forty five minutes uh, response time. And also the dose that you're given uh, through pulmonary route is also you know can be much lower because the efficiency the uh, the uh, you know, it much be much be absorption uh, uh, is much higher than uh, uh, oral intake. So there's many uh, many benefit through that you know from there. And right now I think there are certain diseases like CF right, and cystic fibrosis. You know there's a lot of drug being developed uh, for for that classification, and that needs to be given as not just small molecule alone. It could be we have you know clients is actually developed trying to develop a cure. So they're using an attenuated virus to, as a way to give, see if they can actually cure the uh, this uh, this disease that you you know kids are born with, right? Now, cystic fibrosis. The lifespan of cystic fibrosis used to be what age 30 to 32 years of age, right? Now, because of different drug therapy, now they're improved. Now it can be as high as 40, age 40, they can you know, survive survivability. So it's improving over the year, but there still isn't a drug that is it's a cure, right? Now it's all about treatments, right? And maintain maintenance and so forth. And so I think I think in just the uh, the biological space in terms of drugs that there's many opportunities there. I think it's it's people are exploring, companies are exploring, you know, find ways. Reason why the um, pulmonary route is probably what they're exploring because it seems to be one is the COVID is changing. In the past, people when they get the treatment, they have to go in the clinic. You have to get the infusion, right? And that's the most efficient way because they're pumping, you know, milligrams and hundreds of grams of milligrams, actually milligram scales of drug into the body. And because of COVID, has somehow close down some of the clinics because of uh you know you know influx of sick patient now they can't get their treatments and the question is that how can you overcome that can you develop a ways that you can actually put into the device that they can just take home and then take their dose right with that and to go to the clinic walk in the clinic and get their, their dose so that in a way kind of changed the uh, the mindset about therapy why you know pulmonary will be the best way to go and so forth so it's it's exploring ipf you know another well, these are not necessary a lot of them are not really targeting the uh, the existing uh, diseases like uh, asthma COPD, these biologics are targeting a very specific disease group. There still are um, drugs that are not available or are still trying to help people to maintain their lifestyles, increase their you know their life quality quality of life, and that's including you know not just you know cystic fibrosis but also idiopathic fibrosis. These are 
what we call the uh, you know the IPF or the PAH or people with this uh, IPF are considered to be a, a life sentence. You know, once you diagnose IPF, is that you have about two to three, three to five two to three, five years of lifespan because it's a it's a disease that is, you know there's no cure to it, right? Unless you find a way to get a lung transplant, most times it's, it's not possible. And so so these are like a once you know, once you have that, it's, it's a sad thing. And the thing in that case is that how can we develop a drug that will help them to improve that quality of life for the next three to five years? And that's what we. And so what we do over the years developing these drugs are trying to help patients, you know, pay these patients to enhance their quality of life, you know, as long as possible, so that they can, you know, stay. In the same time, maybe buying some time, maybe somebody will come up with a cure. You know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that, that that that's great. There's there's a lot there, you know, and I think traditionally, you know, especially you, you think of a inhaled medicine, you know, you think you're treating a respiratory thing, and I, you know, even working in the the industry, it's, you know, it, it makes sense. It's like, well, you can deliver things to the lungs that you know, just need to go into the body, you know, it doesn't, yeah. doesn't, you know, you can avoid some of that first pass, you don't need as, as large of a dose, you're not going into all the stomach acid, you know, there, there are benefits to, to, to delivery that way. And, wow. and that's interesting to hear as well, kind of along the same lines, um, as far as new molecules coming out in the future. How about new devices that you've seen for these? What, what do you see kind of on the horizon? What are some of the new things you've seen out there that, that you think um, have some merit or, or are at the, at the least interesting, I guess? What, what, what we, over the years, what I've found out, and also with my collaborators and you know, um, you know, friends in, in the industries that we share the same interests, is that we feel that you can spend a lot of time to develop a device, but you don't have a drug to go with it, it's not going to go anywhere. What we feel that the most effective ways to, uh, you know, to, to, to put the focus in is really design the best formulations. And then you can then, you have a better choice of picking any devices out there, not having to pick the best device that gives you the best performance. So the formulation is really the driving, it's the, in, it's in the driver's seat. And, and really the device I see that as more as a, a, a secondary in that case. So you can focus on designing the best formulation. For example, particle engineering, using spray drying to do that work, right? To, to come up with the best formulation are really important. Once you have that, then you can pick any off-the-shelf device and then what, what makes sense, what's the cheapest way to, to go forward with that. And, and so you don't have to really just finding a device and then design that device to work with your formulation. So you can do either way. The question is that what's the most efficient, most, most effective way to do that? And that's what we're trying to educate our client is, is to focus on the in, in the formulations, and, and then you have a better choice, uh, you know, uh, to choose what's out there rather than trying to design something that's a lot more costly, more expensive, and time uh, investment that needs to be. Yeah, it seems before. like if you're forcing the device first, you might be inviting complications that you could have just inv- avoided that's by exactly. by focusing yeah. on that formulation first. So, okay, okay, I that's a. I really appreciate your time, Keith. I, it's been very informative. Welcome to Kendeva. We're, we're glad to have you on board. And uh, yeah, that, that'll wrap it up for now. Thank you for listening to Coffee with Kendeva, a series of thought-provoking conversations about complex drug delivery. Join us next time as we continue the journey into the fascinating world of Kendeva drug delivery. 